It's time for the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Shondell Grand. And right now we've got a huge selection of brand new Mazdas with exciting spring incentives across our entire lineup. Plus, you can buy your new Mazda completely online with our exclusive no-brainer checkout. Don't miss the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. We're getting you ready for the game on The Build-Up with news from around the league, interviews, highlights, and more. Here's your host, Ted Ramey. Taves is suddenly back on the point. Gives to Girard, who shoots. That's blocked in front by Eric Carlson. And Carlson just angles a soft one off the right boards. And the Sharks make a quick change here. But here come the Avalanche trying to take advantage. Taves into the zone. Throwing in the front. Quick tip on oh. goal. Oh, what a big stop by Capo Kekin and a tremendous save on a one-time tip driving to the goal. What a chance for Colorado right out in front of Annette. And that was just a brilliant tip by Nichushkin toward the goal. And the Sharks are holding serve here, down by only one. They chip it off the boards, and Noah Gregor uses the speed to get to it first in the Colorado zone. He cuts behind the net, he makes the move on Byron. He puts on the brakes on the right wing boards. He twists, he turns, he jukes, he jives. He goes behind the net, goes for the wraparound. Save made, turnaround shot, LeBanc, SCAR! What a job by Noah Gregor to beat the Avalanche to the puck first, and then to dipsy-doodle his way around the defense on Byram, and then in front of the net, Kevin LeBanc ties it up with his second goal of the game, and his 16th, 15th of the season at 7-11. A lucky break for the Sharks at that time, as they've tied it 3-3. The Sharks all even, 3-3 with Colorado, the defending Stanley Cup champions, and they've got McKinnon on the ice. Here's McKinnon, down the right wing side, makes the move on Carlson, drops it back, loses on the check to Couture. Carlson's taking off. Logan wants to get him the puck, but McKinnon blocked it. Oh, good he tried point. to feed it for a breakaway pass. Bordalo blocked it, lost it, and now Couture headmans. Oh, it's off the stick of Carlson. Two really good defensive plays by the Sharks. Ah, Eric. Eric just gave it away. It's going to be a breakaway for Nathan McKinnon. He's moving in. He stick handles. He shoots, and he scores. The 100th point of the season for Nathan McKinnon on the game-winning goal in overtime on a turnover by Eric Carlson in the offensive zone. And what a heartbreaking loss for the Sharks. The Avalanche win their seventh straight road game. The final score is Colorado 4, the Sharks 3 in overtime. All right, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome as we get ready for yet another tilt against Colorado. The game the other night was wildly entertaining. The Sharks were down 2-0 and 3-1 and came back to force overtime. And yes, I know there are those of you that don't like the Sharks getting points, but I'm sorry, Noah Gregor's playing well. Kevin LeBanc's playing well. These are steps the Sharks can use to take big strides forward in the year and or years to come. So let's talk a little bit about what we saw in that last game with our good friend Connor McGahee, the radio play-by-play -play voice of the Colorado Avalanche, engaged in an entertaining tilt on Tuesday night. And now we get to watch them do it again. A little bit of scheduling that throws back to what we saw in the abbreviated 56-game 2021 schedule. And Connor, you know, you saw the Sharks earlier this year and Colorado took care of them uh, very well, 6-0. And then last night, you got to see a little bit of the Sharks that a lot of the other top-tier teams in the NHL have seen this year, a team that has outperformed their record, I would say. And I, I believe I even said to you at the first intermission, oh, the Sharks are going to come back and tie this game. I just 
I can't say much about the finish. So what, what was it like <laughs> watching the Sharks the other night? Well, I mean, they there's no quit, that's for sure. And uh, it's it's tough to be in that position and and get to a point where, I mean, you know the season ends next week, you know, and for them to, you know, come out and play to the end and, and do everything they can to try and win a hockey game, uh, Connor Bedard, sweepstakes be damned you know that's that's uh i think uh, an incredible quality and i would not expect anything less out of a, a david quinn coached hockey team and we both sort of knew because i knew it too i said this is this is going to be tied before we know it because the pushback is coming and the avalanche had two two goal leads and the sharks wiped them both out and uh the last surge came in sequence in the third period there and you know, the avalanche all of a sudden realized they had their hands full and it wasn't going to be easy. So um, because Calgary had lost, they only needed one point to, to clinch the postseason. Colorado did. They got that to mm -hmm. head into overtime. And and uh, the overtime winner from Nathan McKinnon was his 100th point of the season, where Eric Carlson is also very close to now. But, uh, but that was the exclamation point uh, on a night where the avalanche clinched the postseason for the sixth straight six straight year before i ask you about mckinnon i did wanted to ask you about eric carlson because there's a lot of talk about him and you know having a career year obviously and it's a comeback to a high level of performance that i think a lot of people didn't see coming which of course leads to the questions of can it be replicated and it's going to be hard for his goal scoring in particular however you know when you when you see him handle the puck like that when you see some of the moves he was making like to me this is a guy who's healthy and the skating, the handling, like those are the things that can be replicated because he had a couple of moves throughout the night where it was just kind of like, man, you're, you're toying with the defender. I mean, it's not fair for a, a D man to be able to move like that. Almost. I was talking with Kyle Keefe, who's our uh, ringside reporter on this trip. Um, and his spot is down in that corner at the base of 116 SAP Center. Yeah. And, and we were talking about that vantage point and and looking at Eric Carlson from ice level and obviously not getting to see him every night. And Kyle goes, I cannot believe how skilled with the puck he is because for one reason or another over the past couple of years, whether it's been injury or situation, a healthy and happy Eric Carlson is is very dangerous. And obviously 96 points on the year will will prove that. But his you're right, his ability on the puck. Um, I mean, our our standard in Colorado is Kale McCarr. Mm -hmm. and it, barely anybody can, can can reach up to there. Obviously, Roman Yossi last year, that was the the uh, the Norris Trophy finalist right there, those two. But Eric Carlson this year, you're saying, wow, I mean, that is that is a skilled uh, and committed force back there for for the San Jose Sharks. Um, but uh, the last team in to lead any other defenseman by a bigger margin before this year was Eric Carlson, who <laughs> led by 25 points over um, uh, Dustin Bufflin. He was next with uh, 53. That was back in 2011 and 2012. But uh, I mean, he's got uh, almost two-thirds of his assists are, are primary. That's the most by a defenseman. Um, but uh, I'll, I'll tell you what, there is, there is a, a lot of wow factor to Eric Carlson. It's very fun, and it's finally 
to get him to be at this level. And, and to be fair, guys have been, I think, unfair against him in San Jose because he is so wildly entertaining when he's on top of his game. In 2018-2019, he was dealing with injury in his first year, and then he had to deal with um, you know not being entirely healthy going into the playoffs. He was still our point leader in the playoffs. The following season when he went down with injury that was abbreviated by the COVID when everything shut down in March, he was the leading point scorer. The short season, the 56-game schedule, he was not good. I don't know what was going on there. And then last year before he dealt with injury, he was also having a very good season. So, it, you know, the, everything, as we can point to a Kale McCarr, different type of injury situation, but still one that removes them from the ice in general. When you're dealing with superstars, Connor, it seems like, and it's such a simple conclusion, the most important thing is for them to be actually on the ice or in the field of play, regardless of what the sport is. 100%. And that's why I was making the argument this morning for there to be more talk about Nathan McKinnon, Miko Rantanen being in a Hart Trophy conversation when it comes to the National Hockey League because it is defined as the player who is most valuable to his team. Mm -hmm. You have two superstars in Rantanen um, who, uh, again, sitting on 49 goals, looking to become the third member of the Avalanche ever to score 50 in a season with Milan Hayduk and Joe Sackick. And then Nathan McKinnon, uh, obviously reaching 100 points for the first time in his career. If you don't have that type of contribution from the two of them, you don't have first place in the Central Division like you do right now. You don't have a playoff clinch, I don't think. And so that's why most, you know, they've been on the ice for, for most of the year. I mean, Nathan McKinnon missed a, a little bit of a stint. Uh, this is game number 66 for him tonight. Miko Ranton in 77. Um, and uh, and that, that is every single game for the Colorado Avalanche. Um, but again, if they're not on the ice, like you said, if they're not doing what they're doing, then the Avalanche aren't where they are. And so that's why when you're talking about Kale McCarr being out again tonight, um, I mean, that's a, that's a large hole because – just because of the gravity that uh, that star players have when they're not there, there's a bunch of things that fall <laughs> into that abyss in in that uh, in that crevice that they've left. So uh, I think the Avalanche have done uh, an, a, a great job, but again, the Yeoman's work has been done by their superstars, Miko mm -hmm. and Nathan McKinnon mainly. Is McKinnon the best he's ever been? Because I know he's 27 now. And I know that he's obviously never had, you know, greater responsibilities in terms of defending a title. Mm. But there were a couple moments last night, or, or excuse me, the two games ago, or two nights ago, where his first step explosiveness was jaw-dropping. Like, I've always known Nathan McKinnon fast. I've watched him a lot over the years terrorize the Sharks and anyone else around the NHL. But he had a couple first steps the other night where it was like, I mean, just like I said, jaw-dropping, where it's like, it's so different than anybody else out there on the ice. And, you know, top end, we can make the argument about a McDavid. Uh, but, I mean, when I see what McKinnon can do, it is just absolutely wild. Well, and, you know, the, the, it's impossible to avoid the McKinnon and McDavid comparisons, and you get to play them back-to-back -back <laughs> on Thursday <laughs> and Saturday. Um, but I, their styles of how they skate, because they're both – blazingly fast yeah. um but mckinnon had a lot of movement to to his legs to his stick handling as well 
and he, he just sort of dizzies you uh, in, in, in a bunch of different ways. But when I watch both of them, I think you're right. I think the difference from McKinnon and McDavid is, you know, McDavid can ramp up to, you know, gazelle-like speed, but McKinnon's initial acceleration and is is tremendous. All of a sudden, he's in first gear, and before you know it, he's going 85 miles an hour. And I think that's what is intimidating for anybody who's trying to defend him forwards through the neutral zone, defensemen uh, who are trying to take the right angle. And uh, you, you've heard a bunch of mic'd up segments about when McKinnon and even Kale McCarr, when they get the puck and they say, oh boy, uh, Alex Petrangelo in, in, uh, in Lake Tahoe a couple seasons ago was was mic'd up for for the game there and uh and I can't imagine what it's like to try and defend that because you know it's fast but it's also unpredictable at the same time because because he's also mobile it's not just uh you know a rocket ship directly ahead he he can go as fast in his stops and his starts that part of the reason why he's one of the trickiest guys to defend in the world and I think uh it also it has a massive as you're alluding to entertainment value, because it's unlike really anything that you can see on the ice from anywhere else in the national hockey league. Yeah. It's, it's so much fun. And again, I, I always go back to this, you know, we talk all about sports and we break down the numbers and we give our hot takes. And I always tell people like, Hey, this is showbiz. This is the entertainment industry. I want to see who's going to entertain me, which is why it's so fun when a McKinnon or a McDavid or, you know, any number of these superstars come in and do special things. It's like, I take for granted watching Eric Carlson every night. And I'm sure that is, you know, something that sure. fans all around the league would like to see more. And I'm sure there are times where you've taken McKinnon for granted um, just because you see it so often, but the entertainment value, yeah, it's, it's through the roof to this team. The playoffs were clinched the other night. Their first place in the central right now, how is the mood? How is it settled in the room? There was uneasiness earlier in the year. We can go back, you know, a few months and things were very different, but now they are continuing to trend in the right direction. They're taking care of business on the ice. Um, you know, high caliber players are performing at a high caliber level, but I don't get the sense that there is a, a, a sigh of relief being breathed at this point. Yeah. I mean, because I mean, they have, uh, little tiny goals that are leading to the big goal. Uh, tiny goal number one, clinch the playoffs. That's accomplished. Tiny goal number two, win the division, um, which is a possibility. I mean, they will know that. Such, I mean, I I know we still have a week left. Colorado has played the fewest games still in the NHL, along with the Buffalo Sabers. Um, but you'll know tonight if both Minnesota playing at Pittsburgh. And Dallas playing at home to Philadelphia, if they had won or lost, and if they moved to 100 points, because those three are all tied with 98, and um, and everybody in every single one of those organizations has the same tiny goals to get to the top. And I think that while there's relief that the Avalanche know that they're in, <clears throat> I, I think they would like to be as as high as they can get in the Western Conference. I'm not sure that they can track down Vegas, uh, who's got 104 points now. It's a possibility if Colorado, in theory, were to win out and, and Vegas were to lose the rest of their games. They have a tough one hosting the LA Kings tonight. But I think that there is some 
some confidence in the fact, well, there was no doubt that they were going to make the playoffs, mm -hmm. I think, at any point. And I think the short answer that I have failed to give you is that no matter what comes their way, they're going to be able to handle it. Um, and whether the first round opponent is Dallas, Minnesota, or Seattle, those are likely the three that they feel like they can win any one of those series. They can beat any one of those teams four times out of seven. And they've learned to accrue that confidence after tough losses uh, over the past four and five years, including that series here versus the Sharks. And so all those build into sort of uh, an ethos inside the room that, hey, we can we can take on anybody and we don't have to have home ice advantage. I mean, they won all but one road game last year during the Stanley Cup playoffs, and that loss didn't come until game three of the Stanley Cup final. Um, <laughs> so they don't necessarily need to be at home to win. Um, they're in the middle of the longest road winning streak in the National Hockey League as we speak right now. So I, I think that that checklist is there, but they also understand that there's a lot of things out of their control, uh, a la injuries. So if if they can achieve those goals, great. If not, they're going to be okay with taking on anybody, anywhere. There's a last one for you real quick. Do you expect to see chippiness? You know, guys don't like to see each other two times in a row, and there was definitely a little bit of chippiness in that game on Tuesday night. Yeah, it depends on who starts things, you know, but um, the Avalanche do have a nuclear deterrent and Curtis McDermott in the lineup tonight. So <laughs> if anybody wants to step into the ring, be my guest. I know I'll let that you I'm, handle that. Yeah. I wouldn't want to uh, with Curtis McDermott by any stretch of the imagination. Here's a guy who's uh, beat Nick Delorier in a fight very handily twice and Ryan Reeves once. And those are two of the best fighters in the national hockey league. So if, uh, I don't think I'd want to stir things up. I mean, tempers are known to flare because we're humans, but uh, McDermott is back in. And like I said, if uh, if you want to try, go ahead and be my guest. <laughs> Connor, always a pleasure. I think I will leave the fighting to the professionals. Me too. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll see you a little bit later tonight. Have a great call and a nice afternoon. Can't wait, Theodore. Thank you. Again, that was Connor McGahee, the radio play-by-play -play voice of the Colorado Avalanche, helping us break it all down here on the Sharks Audio Network as we get ready for yet another game. I am curious to see just if it does get a bit more chippy, though, because you could tell the other night that there was definitely some emotion flaring, and I like that the Sharks are definitely trying to make a case for themselves, at least among some of the players. If you're Eric Carlson, yeah, you're not fighting for a contract. If you're Logan Couture, you're not fighting for a contract. But there's a lot of guys out there who are, and there's a lot of guys who want to maximize the time that is being availed to them out there on the ice. Henry Thrun wants to show that he's part of the future. Daniil Gushin, you know, Thomas Bordalo. These guys are all trying to prove themselves. And if you have to have a proving ground type season, then make the most of it right now. I think that's what I ultimately coming back, come back to is you need to make sure that these guys get an opportunity and that they get the chance to try and show exactly what they have because the coaches and the scouts and everybody else aren't going to get, you know, this same type of look in training camp. You know, they're not going to be able to wait and see next year to see if the team's bad again to get another look at these guys. They've got to get this point of reference right now, and the Sharks are in the fortunate situation, for lack of a better term, where they can go out there and try out guys and give them an opportunity. That is what you do to maximize a season like this that has not been kind in any way, shape, or form. So, with that said... Let's see exactly what the Sharks do bring to the ice 
in tonight's affair. We are just about out of time. Be sure to join us at 7 for live pregame coverage with Dan Rusinowski and Brett Hedekin as they get you ready for game two of this two-game home series, as it were, against the Avs. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey. I'll see you tomorrow morning on Morning Tide, and I'm signing off. This podcast can be found for download under Sharks Hockey Digest on iTunes, Google, and Spotify. And on demand anytime on the Sharks Plus SAP Center app. Presented by Western Digital. All music by Yogi Yend.